BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Under cold Midwest skies. Something lurks through the dark. From the rolling hills to the flatlands, they move through the fields. They are cryptids of the corn. Welcome back to Cryptids of the Corn. I'm Justin. And I'm Jay. And this week, we're covering the big questions about the big man. Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Sam Squamch. Yeah. The Aaron, the Alna, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So these questions were kind of picked through several ways. Uh, We had, we did a poll on Facebook uh, on our Bigfoot Club. We just kind of asked, and I did a couple polls through a couple pages on Facebook. We picked, I don't even remember how many questions. I want to say like 15. Yeah. And uh, these are no way, shape, and form all of the big questions about Bigfoot. Most of these, so I'm going to get my little spiel out of the way. Most of these are heavily opinionated by us or by the people that, you know, the researchers or whatever. Nobody in the world, I'm just going to say this now. Nobody in the world is a Bigfoot expert. Until there's one laying on a slab somewhere, everybody is a speculative researcher. So, and we don't know. Nobody knows anything about Bigfoot. Uh, we know they're, I, I know they're real, I've seen one, but there's, I'm attributing behaviors I've seen to what I think. We don't know. You know, it's even, like, you used to look at some primates today, like silverback gorillas. There's a lot we don't know. Because once you put them in a cage, they stop doing a lot of stuff. Act a little bit different. Mm-hmm. As you probably would put you in a cage. So we got uh, a couple groups uh, from basic information, natural science, uh, some of the supernatural phenomena, and even some conspiracy stuff. Because that's what people are asking us about. But I'm going to get my front of house stuff out of the way. Uh, we are now in four countries. UK, Sweden, Canada, and the US. All right. Thank you guys. Um, yeah, thank you guys a lot. I don't know where Canada and the UK came from. I only know Sweden because of, you know, our our uh, cover art designer. Yep, shout out to him again. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to try to be vending at the North American Dogman Project conference. It's a cryptid conference, and it's the Ohio Indiana chapter. 
Uh, they're still hammering out some details, but I'm on the list, or we're on the list to be vendors. Yeah. So, and we put in to be speakers, and our topic would be uh, basically data collection and how to sort out human data versus what may be cryptid data. Because, I mean, we all watch the shows, you know, about 90% of the stuff they point out, and you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Might be a little dressed up for the yeah, show. it is. I mean, it is. It's a show. Yeah, it's entertainment. Um, another news, we're about to break 200 listens, so we will be doing kind of a Christmas giveaway, kind, you know, it'll be that, we're going to uh, bound them all up into one, so we're going to do a 200, you know, listens giveaway and a Christmas giveaway at the same time. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a cast and we'll mail it to somebody. Oh, and Mike Seals, we are mailing yours out today or tomorrow, I promise. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. the Woodknocker. Yeah. Because uh, it's been a busy week for us. Definitely. Uh, to say the least. So we will be giving something else away. I think it'll be a foot cast. A Bigfoot foot cast from Tom Shea. Oh, nice. I'll see about ordering one. Um, yeah, we did a couple polls. So what are we What are we going to start uh, covering with today? Um, okay, I'm getting into it. I'm flipping my page. So this is pretty chunky, so you're going to hear a lot of page flipping. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, hey, you got your book there with you. I need Okay. All right. Big questions about the Bigfoot. So I'm going to ask Jay. Jay, what is Bigfoot to the best of our knowledge? We, me, So me and Jay, before I guess, asked Jay, I covered some questions, Jay covered some questions, and then some questions we both did. Right. So this is one of the ones we both did. Right. So what do you think? What is Bigfoot? I mean, I believe in my opinion... And just what I feel, it's a biological creature with a great knowledge of its environment, great knowledge of uh, uh, how to work with the environment, how to live in the environment, in the wild. But great intelligence, maybe supernatural, may have supernatural qualities. If not, it's just extremely intelligent when it comes to survival and just living. And so I think it, I believe it's a biological being. Very adapt to its environment, very well, uh, very aware of itself and its environment. It can hide itself. That's why you don't see any. And uh, may have some supernatural qualities that we just can't put our finger on. That's a, basically my best overview of what Bigfoot is. Um, so what do you, what about, what's your opinion? What do you think Bigfoot is? All right. So I just kind of kept it real simple. Uh, they're hominid, or uh, not hominid, they are humanoid. Um, dude, that just means upright, you know, mostly at upright walking, two mm -hmm. feet, that kind of stuff. Uh, they are large species. Most accidents put them easily 500 to 1,000 pounds. I'm more towards the smaller side of that, six to 800 pounds. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying none of them get 1,000 pounds or bigger. I just right. think that'd be very rare. Yeah. Uh, there are a very big variety of hair colors. Uh, I've heard everything from gray, white, red. Black and red seem to be, that deep kind of red-brown mm -hmm. seem to be, like, the most common colors. Yeah. yeah, especially in the south, right? Yeah, yeah, and then a lot up here are real real dark. People call them black, but they're like, well, their skin was black, but their hair was just dark. Right. So that could be just that real, like, a real, real dark brown. Um, once again, I believe biological, biological entity. That's pretty much it. I wanted to keep it, uh, 
pretty simple because nobody knows, but that's just off of all the reports. Right. You know, that's that seems to be the common themes. And and with the stories, you know, all around the world, there's there's a Bigfoot story on every continent. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll get into that. Right. That that'll come either a later episode later today, but um, they, you know, they all have their own different colors. Yeah. They all have their own. And that's that's common in a lot of species. Right. Uh, we see it. I mean. I mean, a lot in us. We see it a lot in a lot in mammals. It's a lot more common to have a big variety of uh, hair or fur colors. Mm-hmm. Um, even though skin color might not change very much in a population. Right. But uh, I mean, how many? We just look at Ireland. True Irish people. Red's the most or as common, not the most common, but you have everything from black to brown. But, and just hair color. Right. But red's you know big. So it's just. But the skin color is always, always the same. Exact same. Yep. So that's kind of a, you know, distinction. And I remember you mentioned something about like uh, their hair color being able to like maybe reflect light. Some or people f- talk refract. about that that uh, they actually so the muscles on the hair follicle can actually turn the hair and cause light refra- ref- refraction, and that would not be an invisible thing, but it'd make them hard to look at. It's like yeah, like, kind of like wearing it, camo. It like, breaks up your lines. Yeah, that's yeah. what it does. Uh, it's not like invisible. Because some people hear that and think, oh, they can go divisible. No, what it does is it breaks up your solid border. Right. Uh, so, like you said, that's what camo is for. Mm-hmm. Camo, most of the time, doesn't look like the environment you're in, but it's just to make you not look like a person. Yeah. So, a Sasquatch blend. could be standing in the corner of a woods and kind of just fudge the edges. Mm-hmm. So, it's harder, when you're scanning, it's harder to look at it and pick that out of the, the lineup of trees and shadows and stuff. Right. It just kind of, you know, it kind of turns into a blob. We get rid of that shape. And a lot of predators do that. A lot of predators and prey. I mean, that's why zebras have their stripes. And so when they're running together, it's a lot harder to pick out one animal. They oh, look okay. like a mass. I didn't really know. Think yeah. about that. Zebras. I always mm-hmm. wondered why they're... Yeah, that's why. And so when they're running in a herd, it's harder for a predator to single one out. Yeah. Because it just, it's very confusing. And it's almost nauseating to look at when they're running. I can see that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, um, with that, I mean, what actual proof is there that there's Bigfoot out there? All right. So, I want to say it right now. There's no actual scientific proof. But we have a lot of stuff to lead on a helping hand of scientific proof. We have a lot of unidentified hair samples that are attributed to Bigfoot. Uh, some we do get DNA sequencing from. Uh, they become, they test very close to human uh, so the two reasons for this is DNA contamination. Uh, as you knew, I, as you know, I worked as a DNA collector. Mm-hmm. I've done e-DNA. I've done, you know, actual DNA samples from animals. Uh, a lot of times when we're, so th- there's only one exception in the world. A lot of times when you collect DNA, labs are programmed, the, the sequencers are programmed to throw out human DNA. Okay. Cause we're human collectors. There's going to be human DNA. Uh, I've worked with, uh, like, micron filters and stuff to get human DNA out of some kind of fragmental environmental DNA. Hmm. I know that's a lot of big words. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but it basically did. means the machines are programmed to when they recognize human DNA, they throw that out. Because yeah. they know we're not looking for that. And that's going to be a big chunk of the sample. Right. Because it's fresh and it's it's just there. When you do eDNA, you're taking an environmental sample and getting all species DNA out of it. That's every bacterium, every plant, every animal. Everything involved yeah. in that spot. Uh, so it's pretty comprehensive. So, But humans still going to be the biggest chunk of it because 
you're right there shedding DNA. You're constantly shedding DNA. Um, but when we talk about primates, that's the hard one. Because you got to kind of tell the computers to stop. Right. Because bonobos uh, are the closest living relatives we have. And I don't want to say anything wrong, but I think it's like 98.5% match to, to human. To us. And that's human genome. So when we talk about that versus... People get confused when we talk about DNA, like me and my brother's DNA, we have a 98.7 match in our personal DNA. Right. Uh, we have a 100% match in genome. So when people say like a question, like people will say like, oh, us and a banana share, is that, what was, is that? That's true. Is it genes or is it no, it's chromosomes? No, it's DNA. DNA? Okay. Yeah, because we're all from I'm not source material. in this field at all. At and I'm all. not either. Don't get me wrong. I did DNA collection, so I have a more understanding than... Me, than, big time. Than basic Joe, but there are people that are just way above my level yeah. and may tell me I'm 100% wrong, and they probably are accurate. <laughs> I did do DNA collection. I did work in a DNA lab. Um... And I've done nothing of the but sort, I was not, ever. But <laughs> I was not a genetic scientist. Yeah. So I want to make that very clear. I went out and collected the sample for and the genetic scientist. For the genetic scientist. Uh, but, yes, we share a lot of our DNA with basic species. Yeah. Like, uh, I think flatworms, we have like 46%. <laughs> but a lot of your DNA is the basic building blocks. It's just your coding, it, yeah. right? The coding of... Well, when we're talking about higher-end DNA matching. So, and then your genome is for your species, Okay. So that's your species face card. Uh, so when we say... That's what you're comparing their DNA to... You're comparing genomes to genomes. But when we talk about, like, my brother and me, mm-hmm. our genomes 100% match. Okay. We, we're both human. Yeah. You can tell that. Yeah. But our DNA is very similar, but still a little different. Gotcha. And we talk about personal DNA. Gotcha. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a watered-down version. So if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize if anybody has the ability to correct me. I know that I'm not an expert in it, but that is the the rough of a, you know, rough understanding. So when we do these Bigfoot samples and we're getting, you know, sometimes 96, 97% human match. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it get thrown away or it get just get marked unidentified. Uh and then and so because it's it's human enough it confuses the computer. Right? It's just, you know, we the computer don't know what to do with it. If we don't have the thing is and then the other part, see, I hop around a lot. I do do that. I'm sorry. There's a lot to this. Uh, is you need a correct source material to get a DNA match. So until there's a Bigfoot dead, you know that's a Bigfoot that's dead. Mm-hmm. You take its DNA sequence. This is the genome for Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Then you can match unidentified samples. So it's always going to pop up unidentified. But that's kind of false, too. Because it matters what range. So there's a guy... That was comparing, uh, he found a species of salamander in Al- or not Alabama, Arkansas, and he did a DNA match for all U.S. species of salamander. Yeah. And didn't get any matches, so he thought he had a new species. But he didn't expand his DNA searching to Central America. Uh, it was an oxalotl. He had found a population of oxalotls in a creek. Oh, nice. So, he thought he had a new species. They were oxalotls, but he could have figured that out a lot sooner if he would have expanded the search criteria. Yeah. So that's there's a lot that goes into it. So mm. when you hear DNA, either way, don't buy into it fully. I don't care if they say this is unidentified, this is Bigfoot DNA, or you know they throw it out, or they you know somebody's preaching the gospel about it. Yeah. DNA is a very 
very extreme science. And you can present data in any way you want to present data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just keep that in mind for DNA. And that's for Bigfoot people and stuff like that. And I, I, there's some DNA sequencing of hair samples, I believe, are Bigfoot. Uh, it just It's hard to say at this point. Until there's one dead... That's what a lot of some of the bigger names in Bigfoot will tell you. They they won't kill him, but until there's one dead, that's just what it is. Right, yep. And it, But once we have one, every test can be matched. Yeah, yeah, it's something to compare it to. Yes. Yeah. And that's the, kind of the flaw with our DNA sequencing right now. Uh, we know, like, we can make a partial genome, and we can make guesses and stuff like that, and it's really just the money right now. No lab's going to put out a lot of money for itself to do these kind of sequencing off of all these unknowns. Right. To see if they kind of match or not. So then Joe Smo has to foot the bill and it's not cheap. Right, yeah. It's a big it's a big bill. Um, let's see what else do I have? The difference between hair and fur is mostly in just the wording. There's not a true big difference in hair and fur. Uh but how we ID like say without genetic testing, you wanted to ID a fur sample. I'm gonna pronounce this word right. The mandula, which is the core of of hair or fur. Okay. The measurement of that is uh, basically how you can help ID a species. Okay. A lot of primates have hair because it's mostly hollow. That mandula is huge. Um, but yeah, just the thickness helps determine. Um, there are a lot of foot casts. We're gonna get into later. Which is probably the most common. Yeah, and it's proof. not. If we if we were talking, it just is so weird. If we were talking about any other endangered species, like that would be enough to say to the warrant for the research. Right, but for some reason with Bigfoot. Well, also we don't have a Bigfoot yet. Right. So it's not like once you have a Bigfoot, then every foot cast is, you know, considered evidence. Right. I true. Um, we're going to talk about sighting, so I'm just going through my little list, guys. This is a chunky episode. I have a book. Um, there are, in, in 2022, there was three, or 3,500 Bigfoot, uh, sightings in the U.S. alone. Continental in, in U.S. When? 22. 2020, sorry, 2020. Okay, that's right. I was like, wait a minute. Um. I know you read minds, but can you read the future? I can. <laughs> um, okay, but 2020, that's, I mean... So, yeah. Is, is that all from the BFRO website? No, that's, um, okay. I Now you're asking me a question. I have it written down somewhere. That's actually from a U.S. statistics group. Okay, okay. Um, I don't think the BFR has that many entered for that okay. year. Yeah. Uh, this was from, I cannot remember the company. It's one of the big U.S. statistic groups. Okay. Uh, they also do some stuff about UFOs and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Uh, but they don't, that's not what they do. Perp- like, they ask all kinds of questions. It's right, one of the, yeah. It's like the Census Bureau, but private. Right, yeah. Uh, so if, uh, let's say 3% of those sightings were factual, real, that's still a humongous number. Right, yeah. I mean, that'd be almost, that'd be over 100 actual sightings. Crunch the numbers in my head. It should quick. be 105 is 3% of 3,500. Okay. okay. Because 35 is, yeah. This would be 105. Oh, yeah. Yes, you'd be right. Yeah. I normally am. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong as often as the clock's right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's just kind of some numbers. 
So there's 3,500 sightings last year. And it's just unstantiated to say... Sorry, phone alarm went off. Yeah, it's time for Jay to wake up. He's just a half hour late. Yeah. Or an hour late. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, let's make sure that don't happen again. We're professionals. Yep, very professional. Um, so, yeah, it's just to say, even if even if 1% or, you know, you still have 35 actual Bigfoot encounters. Right. It's just at this point, it's so large, the amount of people that are seeing this thing. It's hard to say everybody's suffering from the same psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um... So that's it for, like, what actual proof is out there right now? Yeah, so, um, but that's just actual proof, but the, is there any mainstream, like, anything actually, uh, I guess, peer-reviewed in the scientific journal that's, like, I'm glad you asked, Jay. That's out there. We're reading off the same, the same paper. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Jeff Meldrum is a professor of anatomy and anthropology. Uh, he works at Iowa State University teaching classes like human, uh, auto- I can't say that word. Autonomy? Yeah. And uh, evolution. Right. Uh, so he is a, basically his whole career is about early humans. Uh, he studied a lot of how the feet work and the stuff like that. You know, ancient human stuff. Um, and he is a really big name in Bigfoot. I don't, I don't have his actual sayings right here right now. I can't remember if he's fully said he believes in Bigfoot or he's very, very open to it. But he's the guy, when you send a cast out, he's the one that you send it to. Real trustworthy guy. Uh, but he'll tell you whether, yeah, you know, this is what we've been finding with other stuff. Yeah. Or no, this seemed fake because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one that, you know, would say some of these would have to be, you know, he is kind of the forerunner on this stuff. Besides Bigfoot, you know. Right. So you'd have to be at his level to fake some of these stuff. Just footprints in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one is Jane Goodall. Yeah. I Anybody know who she is? The famous primatologist? Um, she says, basically, sorry, I'm reading. I would like to believe Bigfoot exists. I've met people who swear they've seen him. I think the interesting thing is every single continent... It is has an equivalent of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. There's the Yeti, the Yowie, the Chinese wild man. And on and on and on. I've heard stories of people who you have or that you have to believe them. So there's something. I just don't know what it is. And then in a later interview she says a lot of the stuff she's heard really shows primate behaviors. Mm-hmm. Plus a little extra. So she's about as close as to saying she believes in Bigfoot as she can get without saying you believe in Bigfoot. Right, especially from a mainstream, Yeah, you know, a well-respected scientist. Yeah, I mean, she's amazing. Uh, while she might be open-minded about Bigfoot, she does not have the same feelings about any other creatures of cryptozoology. Uh, she, Loch Ness Monster, nope. Obvious, obvious fake. Aliens, nope. She goes on and on. She's just, Bigfoot's the only one, basically, she thinks may exist. Right, yeah. Uh, everything else she's like, that is dumb. In the cryptid world. Yeah. Um, well, with those, uh, with that, I guess, is natural science, sciences and things like that, in that range, let's move on to that, I guess. I mean, we got our oh. scientists, oh wait. We one. skipped one. 
What is oh. the actual... Does your paper not have this? Nope, it doesn't. It's not. Oh, well, that'd be why. I added this question. Why is there a, a lack of actual evidence? Do you have any idea why? Well, I'm sure there's... I'm putting Jay on the spot. I have yeah. added questions he hasn't seen. So, That's why you send me your email when I text you three times for your email. Well, you know why I don't use my So email. I can update you. Well, okay. Well, this is good, though. I, I Why isn't there... I, I would say there isn't because, one, they're hard to find. They're hard to... There's you hardly find any remains. Tigers are hard to find, and we know where all, almost every one of those are. That's true, but I don't think tigers are as intelligent and... I don't know. They hold grudges. Oh, oh, the one tiger went 400 miles to kill the guy that shot him. Oh, well, maybe they are just as intelligent. Uh, I, I don't know. I really don't you know You want me why. to pull you off the skewer? Sure, yeah. Save all right. me. Besides a very few amount of scientists, almost all of the work done in this is by amateurs. And that's not against mm. anybody. That's not saying... like So let's say Cliff Brockman... A big name in Bigfoot. I got a signature right up there on the wall. Yeah. His degree is in music. Oh, okay. He's not a biologist. He doesn't have any form of biological training. Not saying that that's not something you can learn. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you can practice and get better because he is amazing at it. Mm-hmm. But almost no actual scientists are doing anything with this. So you have people that are trying their best that believe in this. Getting data. So we don't have any comprehensive scientific studies. Right. We don't have this research group over an area. I mean, we research butterfly. We research the Miami butterfly, which is down to 60 animals. And that's like a 50-year study. Mm. And so they have funding every year just to research this population of butterflies. So do you think it's a, a funding thing? Like this just because it's... Most science... Sub- so that's my next little blurb. Okay. Most science... Most scientists, well, they won't get funding for this project because a lot of these people, they don't get, like, the professor most of the time doesn't get to pick what he gets to do. Yeah. He can put in a request and the board, the education board of that college or that university or that institute will look and be like, yeah, you know, this we think this is an okay use of funds. Mm-hmm. No, this isn't. Mm-hmm. So now you want to do a comprehensive Bigfoot research study. You're probably going to get a no. Second, mm. you're probably flat out you lose your job. So it's a suppression almost, yeah. it seems No, like. I, I don't want to say suppression because I don't want to go down that route because the college is covering its interest with its money right. and its investors. I mean, so you got to look at it as a business. Right. They, they want their scientists, they want their professors and their classes to be doing research that will benefit society that they can that, obviously make money on. Right. That's the goal. So now you're wanting to do a full comprehensive study on Sasquatch that may or may not exist. Mm-hmm. They're just better uses of funds for them. It's in their right. mind. Right, in their and mind. And I get that. That's right. I don't think it's suppression is like it's intentional. Oh, oh yeah. You cannot let this be researched. It's just suppression by... Maybe the zeitgeist. The actual psyche of how the, it, it works. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just... You know, that's not serious. We don't want to look into that. You right, know, yeah. We have better use of our money. S- supposedly. Yeah. And I think... Uh, I mean... Uh, they Kid and Finley is doing cancer research and he's had breakthroughs at Finley mm-hmm. University. Yeah. Uh, so it's just... So that's kind of that. And then the other aspect of why a lot of big scientists or big names in science don't get involved is the woo aspect. The woo-woo. Yeah. Uh, where now we... We'll talk about it later. 
but Bigfoots are interdimensional, and they're aliens, and they're spirit people, they're fae, uh, they're fairies, they're mm. woodland spirits. So once you start getting that involved, I'm not saying any of those ideas aren't credible, but once you start getting that involved, everybody in science is just like, okay, well, you have you have fun looking for your, uh, you know, woodland spirit. And that's what's, like, in, unfortunate about a lot of, like, modern research and science, you know, is what we call it now, is these things that we might call supernatural or just woo-woo or whatever, you know, are things that we know exist in some form or another out there because it's it's just been experienced. We know there's something out there, but it's not understood really or really looked into because I think for this very reason where and it's just not something that's not real or it's mm. it's like intentionally or almost subconsciously suppressed, you know. Just yeah, I agree. As there's something there's just something in the psyche of the modern world. Yeah. Where something like that just can't exist. Yes. Uh, Which is unfortunate. But you know, tigers in Indonesia have a bunch of woo woo associated with them. As far like you a lot of the natives uh, believe they are telepathic, mm. believe they can go invisible, and a biologist, if you, a biologist tries to tell them that no, you know, it's just you know they're good camouflagers or you know they're just they're just very intimidating, mm-hmm. they will look at you and tell you you're the dumbest person. Yeah, like I, they'll be like, I watched a tiger go invisible. I'll watch one wonk and then not be there. And we know tigers can't do that. Right. So that's just saying their inherent abilities in the wild are just, they're master camouflagers. Yeah. I mean, I've watched tiger. I've watched videos of tigers disappearing in two foot of grass. Mm-hmm. 800 pound cat. Mm-hmm. Just gone. And that's what they're designed to do. So to say a creature can't exist because of some supernatural attributes may just be non-recognized biological attributes. There There you go. Sorry, I I had a burp in the middle of that. (laughs) But at the same time, who's not to say that whatever tiger they might have saw or something that, you know... Spirit tiger? Could be some spirit or even just some other entity entirely that's just taking that form and might be able to communicate with you telepathically, might be able to disappear, but things we don't know about this because, one, it's not... It's like it's not allowed to be talked about. It's mm-hmm. not allowed to be studied. It's not about yeah, to be looked into. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, that a lot of mainstream will go into. I've, I, we'll get into it at the end, but my big cut of it is just always money. For sure. I mean, there's, every, everything comes down to that at the end of the day. There's better ways for the investor. And that's the other thing is like the college institutes, the board, even though they say no, that's not really who's saying no. It's the people that. You know, whose, whose money it's actually... Yeah. Whose money it is. Yeah, yeah. They don't want, you know... And we've had a couple of big wigs come out and do actual paranormal... It's more paranormal in UFO studies. Nobody's really thrown a big chunk of money at the Bigfoot subject. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, like, full extensive research. You know, you get a couple areas. We have a couple areas that we know are pretty hot for uh, activity. yeah. And I, and we'll get into why we each think that that may be for extra reasons. Um, before we continue to natural sciences, we're going to take a little break. All right, we're back. We're going to tackle natural sciences. 
so the first kind of question, um, I accidentally assigned it to Jay, and as you can see, well, it's really just been a lot of my stuff. Jay's stuff's coming. Jay has a big section coming up. But, but uh, Justin's the biological expert of yeah, the I group. Yeah, I was a biology technician and stuff like that for a while. So it's just more. This is in his wheelhouse. Um. Yeah. Sorry, a little note popped up. Every time a little note pops up, I kind of freak out. Um, the, so the natural range, what, what is their suspected natural range in the U.S.? Uh, so we have heavy, and this is all speculative. We have heavy population densities, it looks like, in the Pacific Northwest from the top of California up into Alaska. That is believed to be the strong, the, the outhold. Uh, there are whole valleys, whole forested valleys that have nobody, no humans. Maybe somebody goes through once a year. You know, you're talking just, just tons and tons of space, vast swaths of land. Yeah. Um. Then we have another kind of big chunk, in the southern Appalachians, and in the southern U.S. So Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, yeah, uh, Pennsylvania, and then so that's kind of the two big populations, and then northern Michigan, Wisconsin, they have Bigfoot, but not, you know, they don't have tons of Bigfoot sightings and stuff like that, as you see in the other two places. And then the weird one, that so I'm basing this off of Bigfoot sighting numbers. Uh, that's all we can base it off of, mm-hmm. is how many people are seeing Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. And that's that's very skewed, because, uh, like, look at Washington State has the most, or one of the most Bigfoot sightings, and the least amount of people. Yeah. So, is that because they're more confident to show themselves? Or is that because there are a lot more Bigfoot? Up there, yeah. So that's, we don't know. So this is all, could be really skewed data. So, but this is the data we have, so this is what we're going off of. Um... Another big one is the Midwest, specifically Ohio. And we'll get into this more in the next question. But there's something weird going on with that. Uh, there's not a lot. I was, if anybody, if you guys live in the Midwest, you know, there's not a lot of stuff for a Bigfoot to hang out year-round in. No, just some woods and... And, not, and it's not saying they can't live in Ohio year-round. I don't know. But I have my own thoughts. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of their natural distribution in the U.S. Uh... The whole world, like we've talked about a couple times already, has Bigfoot creatures. And uh, uh, we'll get into that later, but just something to think about. There's no state in the U.S., I believe, that doesn't have a Sasquatch sighting in some way, shape, or form. They've been sent out in the desert. They're seen in Utah. They're seen in Colorado. Uh, well, Colorado's kind of different because of the Rockies, but uh, they're seen in Utah. They're seen in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, those individuals are a lot thinner uh, some people call them the watchers and stuff like that. They live on ridge lines and stuff, or at the the top of the mountains. So, there's just natural distribution. They're probably everywhere in the U.S. Uh, which is what I I tend to think. Pretty much like white-tailed deer or raccoons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll be there. They're there. They'll be there. They uh. So our next big question. Well, with that, yes. Yeah, with that, yeah. Because it's kind of. One or the other, you know, it's kind of humped in there with it. So, Justin has a good theory as to why 
And before we get to it, um, on the amount of states that have sightings, uh, what number is Ohio? Yeah, last time I checked, it was the fifth most Bigfoot sightings in the U.S. So why do you think that is? So we're going to talk about Bigfoot migration is this kind of next part of the deal. Um, some populations, and this kind of argued really back and forth in, this, in the community of Sasquatch researchers, um, it does Bigfoot migrate? Does he not? Do, not he. Do they not migrate? You know, I think it's very regional. I think populations out in the Midwest, or not the Midwest, the uh, Pacific West, I don't think they migrate very much. I mean, we may be talking 20 miles. That's they, it. Because they probably don't have to. They right? don't have to. The, yeah. the amount of food, resources, and shelter is enough to sustain a family group year-round or, you know, a, even a little bit bigger of a population. Uh, when you're talking about somewhere like the Midwest, we don't have... We have... The biggest thing is I'm not is not food. They'll find food. Uh, they're omnivores, most likely, because uh, most primates are. Mm. Uh, I believe... I believe they are somewhere on the primate tree. Yeah. Uh, so they'll find food. My big thing is shelter. Uh, we don't have a lot in the winter for them to hide out in. I mean, every woods, especially in the, our part of Ohio. And then, yeah. you know, the, we talk about Hawking's a little different. Hawking's the foothills of Appalachia. But you can almost see through every woods. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody driving every day right. when the leaves fall. It's just not feasible for them to not be seen. And then our most of Ohio's sightings are early spring, late fall, which uh, is pretty significant to show that it's probably a migratory population. That's why Ohio probably has the most big, or so many Bigfoot sightings, is because they're having to move through areas they really don't want to be in. But they need to. If yeah. they want to go from point A to point B. Yeah, and most, uh, I believe a lot of our population is like... The New York and the Michigan population. I have a map in front of me, guys. I'll put it on the Facebook page if you want to pull it out for this section. Uh, but I'll put the same map up that we are using. Uh, so New York and Michigan. We have two ways of coming down through Ohio. If you're on the west side of the state, you uh, enter near the Maumee drainage. You come all the way down. You come over in the Scioto. It would get you all the way down to southern Ohio. Uh you have to cross through Hardin County to get that. It's the closest the Scioto and the, and the Maumee River drainage get to each other in all of Ohio. Um, and then you come down the other side, you have like Salt Fork State Forest, Wayne National Forest, Hawking State Forest, and mm-hmm. then this part of Ohio, Muskegon River drainage, Cambridge, Athens. Those are probably, there's a lot of reports of super aggressive Sasquatch behavior there. I think, and this is just my thoughts that is probably your most southern nesting ground of the migratory bigfoot population because it's very uncharacteristically aggressive uh everything from full false charges to uh, violent noises to big rock throws to full escorts back to campsites and then keep throwing rocks at you Hmm. a lot of times once they move you out of their area they're done with you if they're that kind of aggressive these seem to be even a little extra step nobody you know I don't think they're hurting anybody, but they, any animal, including us, protecting its offspring, will do whatever it takes. Right. So, it looks to be that maybe a possible northern nesting area as far as our migratory population is going. 
They're going down there to have an easier winter they have with their young or new offspring. They may even having be you know giving birth down there and stuff like that. It's not fully hidden like when you talk about some of these national forests in Tennessee and stuff. But there's definitely enough there to to get the job done. Oh, you ever been down in the forest in Tennessee? I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, you can't see. You can see like as far as the eye can see, it's hills and woods. Yeah, I'm saying though, is hawking. Yeah, may have enough. Oh right, right, right. Gotcha. To, okay. Uh, actually, support. Uh, you know, a couple, a couple troops. We're talking about apes. So, do you think they're actually stopping in Ohio, or do you think they're just? I think that through? may be the only spots they are. Yeah, is really that southern part of Ohio, the okay. south southeast. Most of the other parts of Ohio, including in in Indiana, Illinois, besides the really southern tips of the state, because we're long, tall states. Right. So, their southern parts and the northern parts are completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most of the states, they're just moving through. Our our specific population is a northern-southern migratory population. I don't think you have the same thing down south. I don't think you have the same thing out west. I think our specific population of Sasquatch is highly migratory. Uh, four to six hundred miles a year uh, one way. Gotcha. And that's just what they're doing. And when we're talking about that, that's nothing. I mean, some big cats do that pretty easy. Uh, I had a number. Elk. I mean, elk can just go miles and miles. They're big animals. In a day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not a big deal in a couple of weeks to get down there. And I, that's what I think they're doing. I don't think they're running down through Ohio. I think they have roots. They have areas they stop. One of our future research areas, I think, is one of those. Yeah. Uh, they know there's food this time of year there, or the time of year they're there. They know there's a food source. They know it's mostly private. Uh, they know it's a good resting area, refill, and move on. Yeah. Because uh, it seems like they're only there for a couple weeks. Like a road side, side stop. And that's what it is. They yeah. have to have, and I think that's a lot of generational knowledge. Yeah. Uh, like the one I had instance with, I believe it was a young male that just didn't do the rest of the migration. He just decided to stay back because he had some easy food, then he got shot at, and then he's like, okay. Time to move Mom on. and dad are right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Make like a tree and get the heck out of here. Anything else about that? Um... I think that covered the migration pretty well. I mean, it, I like the migration theory. And we'll cut into it. From... We'll, we're going to cut into it real deep one day. Right, yeah. Uh, like, I'll pull up a county map and we'll go through. We'll we'll actually go through and maybe put footprints on a map. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I get, I'm getting my big map made I like that. That's a good idea. So I'm getting a huge map of Ohio made for our desk behind us. So when we start doing YouTube, we can record and then it'll be the background. Nice. Um... But yeah, I think that covers that part of it. Um, family tree. That's the next section. Where do you think Bigfoot come? You know, where do they fall well, on our family? Well, tree? where do you think they fall? I want you first. I've talked a lot so far. Oh, okay. Well, I think we've covered this earlier uh, in an earlier episode, kind of a little bit. We touched on it. I think they are um, close to us on our family tree. I think. We do probably have a common ancestor, but I'm sure we do with most animals, right? I mean... When it comes down to we it. We have a common ancestor with everything, if you cut it back right, far right. enough. You so, and a fungus have a common ancestor. Right, so we're pretty much the same thing. No, but I think I think they are... I believe they're more human than they are anything else, like, close to us. So I think it, it may be a distant uh, relative or cousin, in my opinion, it might be... Uh, but I don't think it's too far away from... I think it's more human than it is ape, but I think it is... Def, I guess uh, it's definitely 
in my mind, it's kind of a combo of both, I would maybe say, but I really don't, it's hard to say. I'd say somewhere between human and ape, definitely for sure, but we're that even. That's a big tree. Yeah, I know it is, I know, because we don't even know our own history. Yeah. Yeah, we we are missing gigantic chunks of human. Anthropology. uh, Yeah, we're missing big, big chunks. Mm -hmm. And we're missing big, big chunks of primates, too, uh, for their, 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 uh, you know, biological history. Yeah. Like, we're just talking, gorillas, I believe, have, like, they're missing from the fossil record for, like, four million years, and so we have a fossilized gorilla, and then we don't have them for, like, four million years, and then we have gorillas today. Which is, yeah. So, it makes you that's, there, right there, we'll show you that fossils, I want to make that clear, too. Fossils are incredibly rare. We have certain, like, the Hell Creek Formation was the disaster formation, is why we have so many fossils there, but fossils are extremely rare. Uh, most scientists believe out of all fossils and known species, we have 1% of 1% of all known species. Mm. So, keep yeah. that in mind. We're missing a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I have a little family tree. I have two pulled up. I have a more in-depth one than the other. Uh, I am, so, or everybody on this side of the tree is Homo, oh gosh, I hate this, Homo Inanidae. Which is, forgive me, these are wrong. Basically, the right side of the tree is all the great apes, and the left side of the tree is, well, pretty much just gibbons. Okay. That's it. Gibbons, they kind of split from the great apes. Um, I think they split from the great apes. I think that's what... So then you have hominidae, and that's where I think the Sasquatch splits. So on the right side, you have stuff like gorillas, and then closer human relatives like bonobos, and then humans are on that side. So I think they went on the orangutan side of the tree. Mm. I really think... Because orangutans have produced some gigantic apes. Yeah. Um, so that's Ponginidae. And then the family is Pong. Or Pongo. So I think that it's a further split like Ponginidae. I think it's not closely related to orangutans. But I think it's in the same family. Okay. Because uh, you have stuff like Gyropithecus, which was an uh, ancient orangutan. They easily got Sasquatch size and easily got a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, they probably were not upright walking or at least fully not upright walking. They were just way... Their the, their body plan is just not correct as far as we can tell. Keep in mind, this is mostly off of a couple bones, some teeth and some jaws. Yeah. So... They, not going off a lot. Yeah. They could be giant headed apes and not be tiny little bodies. But uh, probably not. They were probably... <laughs> they were probably gigantic. Uh, but that's why they, most people think they were knuckle walkers. You know, they just, that's more, they're, they mostly, it looks like they were knuckle walkers, just from the stuff, the evidence we have, which is not a lot, so, that's up in the air. Some people do believe fully that Dryopithecus is Sasquatch, and I get it, it fits, you know, it fits the bill. Right. It is a giant ape, existed at the right time, It fills got the right size, Yep. It fits and it was right there at the land bridge. Yep. At the right time. So... You know, it could have been. It really, I, I don't feel. I think it was a different subset. I think orangutans, uh, orangutans had a much more rich family tree. I think they're down to three, three species now. Oh, really? That's it of hmm. orangutans. And then there's, I think they're arguing about the one being a subspecies, and we'll get into subspecies later. Oh. This is a very <laughs> sciencey episode for a little bit. I promise the fun stuff's coming. I'm just a scientist, so I put that up first. I was a science collector, a data collector. Scientists, you got to pay a lot more money to say. 
Oh, gotcha. <laughs> My college debt's not that big. Yeah. Well, it's big, but it's not scientist big. Okay. There's a difference. So that's kind of these two little charts. Where you fall in the family tree and things yeah. like that. They're just, this one's a little more in-depth of uh, species and even subspecies. Mm-hmm. And then this one's just kind of a nice little basic model. Makes sense, yeah. Layman's terms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're really orangutan related. I think they're somewhere in the orangutan tree. I don't think they're gorillas quite. I think there's... Uh, and that's the other thing is orangutans don't have a brow ridge, but gorillas do. So some people think they're on the gorilla tree for that. And then uh, gorillas okay. have conical heads. And we most Sasquatch reportings have some kind of conical head, at least yeah. the males. But there's also, which I don't know if it's related or not, there's human remains that had conical heads, like yeah. that they found around the around the world. You talking about like, but the the wrapped heads? So there's ones that are wrapped, but there's but there's ones that are like human skulls that are elongated. But even if you were to compress a head or wrap it, you know, any elongate it, you can't create like new bone mass or bone density, like. And some of these skulls have actual, like, more bone to them. They're long, conical, and um, they're not split into, like, different hemispheres like our skulls are. You know, we have the frontal lobe, parietal lobes, mm-hmm. occipital lobe. These ones don't have those seams in the skull. It's just a solid skull all the way. It's one piece. I have to look into that. I don't know. Okay. I, I just don't know anything yeah, about yeah. it, so it's... I'll show you. Some of them are in South America, like Peru and things like that. They found those. No comment. Um, uh, these are things I've... I'm interested in. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not interested. I just don't know. So, I mean, there's even human history of, like, the skulls and stuff just yeah. being different. It's hard. And then, yeah, and that's another thing. You're talking about maybe very distantly related in just in the same genus. Right, yeah. Uh, but, so I, I'm, I'm more into the orangutan or, oh, I didn't even say why the orangutan. So orangutans have big, long arm fur. You know why that is? I do because you told me oh, okay. the other it's, day. It's to drip. <laughs> it's it's to drip rainwater off you. Yeah, that's why cowboys have the big long leather shirts. See that? I didn't know you taught me that. Yeah, so it seems like Sasquatch has that too. Sasquatch doesn't seem to have super long fur anywhere on its body except there. Just and that would arms. be yeah, and that'd be an indication of a rainforest species. Mm-hmm. And the Pacific Northwest is a rainforest. Yeah, people don't get that just because it ain't hot. Don't mean it's not a rainforest. They have a lot of water. Right. Uh, yeah. And a lot of forests. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. But I could see gorilla, too. A gorilla on the, somewhere in the genus, an early step off uh, to get upright and stuff like that. Gorilla, gorillas can run upright. Yeah. They can't do it forever. Right. But they can. Mm-hmm. And a gorilla will, will rip your arm off and beat you to death with it. And oh, yeah. We get a lot of that kind of sense off of Sasquatch. I don't think they do it very often, but... They're capable. They're very capable <laughs> of ripping your buddy's arm off and then... Really going to town and beating you to death. Well, um, you know, with like all this evidence and stuff, trying to pinpoint where they fall in the family tree, why, why haven't they found like any skeletons or things? I'm like glad that? you asked, Jay. We skipped the one question. You must have added it later. No, then. foot cast was first. Ah, uh, it's the same question. Yeah, but I now I have to switch my papers around. No, I'm sorry, I'm inconvenient. All right, so skeletal remains. Are extremely rare of large mammals when they die of natural causes. Because uh, when you die, you start stinking, and every scavenger for 100 miles will know you're there. Um, but we're, Something humans don't really so think about. So if we look at Alaskan brown bears, there's yeah. around 40,000 individuals, and then less than one of the, there's 40,000 individuals roughly for the population, 
Um, am I missing a paper? I may be missing a paper. Anyways, there's 40,000. I saw it on here. I saw it when you were uh, going through the 40,000 at the bottom. Oh, wait, right there. Yeah, but anyways, it's fine. Oh, my bad. Um, roughly 40,000 individuals. <laughs> Alaskans find less than 1% of 1% kind of deal of dead adults. And they believe, I think it was 5 to 10% annual die-off. Yeah. So we have anywhere from 200 to 400 grizzly bears dying of just natural causes. Right, every year. And there's less than 1%, 1% annually found. So basically they find one every three or four years. It was not hit by a car or it was not shot by a hunter. That's the two big differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking natural causes. The other kind of thing for skeletal remains is we're going to take a look at an elk in Colorado. If an elk dies, an 800-pound bull elk dies in Colorado, how many days do you think it can it will take for it to completely... Oh, no, this was in Colorado. This is Washington. Sorry. Okay. How many days do you think it will take to completely disappear that elk to maybe just bones? Or a couple bones? Probably a couple weeks. The fastest record is six days. Okay, that's pretty fast. So you have to walk across a Sasquatch in six days of it dying. Yeah. Now, so what happens is... You have uh, invertebrate scavengers, bugs, stuff like that. They start eating away the flesh really fast. And then you have hideaway scavengers. Foxes, wolverines, uh, any kind of small mammal. Will, birds. Yeah, birds will cut chunks off and take it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, wolverines do this with elk like nobody else. Mm-hmm. They'll cut whole hindquarters off and go bury it somewhere. And then they'll come back and keep doing it. And they'll huh. bury the elk all around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it does not take... And then you have other things like a grizzly bear coming and just taking what half it, the, half the elk away. What it you're wants, talking, yeah. yeah, you're talking about a, a, a bulldozer. Yeah. They get 15, 600 pounds sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's going to take a big chunk of that elk. Um, the other thing is a lot of large carnivores will actually go into a secluded place to die. And the reason is they can... That's if they're dying of old age. They can feel themselves getting weak. They will go somewhere and hide away so they don't get picked to death. Yeah. Uh, bears do it. Wolves do it. Big cats do it. That's why you don't find the remains is because they will go shove their stuff in a hole somewhere so deep. So when they're dying, a raven's not going to come and keep pecking them in the eye while when they're, they're too weak. While they're still, yeah, yeah, while they're still alive. Yeah. So that's kind of that. We're going to take, actually, for this week, I think we're done. It's going to be about 55 minutes. Uh, for this episode, we're going to record the second episode immediately, but we'll see when we release it. We'll see how froggy we're feeling. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. So I'm going to, so next episode, we're going to start with, are they all the same species around the world? Because we have a whole bunch of that, and that's going to be a big, chunky thing. Um, so we've got kind of a surprise for the ending. We're going to do our... We're going to pick a cryptid. Okay. And we're going to do our best cryptid noise to end it for that species. Okay. This is the next episode or this This one? is right now. This is how we're ending the episodes from now on. Okay. I wasn't ready for that. I know you weren't ready for that. Wait. I, I got to do the noise? We're, we're doing it together. We're going to each do it. Oh, okay. we're going to take turns doing it. Okay. So how it's going to go is I'm going to pick the cryptid and you got to make the noise. And next episode, you'll pick the cryptid and I got to make the noise. Oh, boy. All right. Let's do it. All right. Let me think. All right, I got a couple cryptids looking at me. 
What kind of noise do you think that Mongolian death worm makes? <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Mongolian death worm? Yeah. Either that or it'd probably like it'd probably be like a low, really low reverberating. I, I, th- I think it'd be a, I think it'd be your high pitched one. Are you thinking high Like look at his mouth. That's what made me think of it. <laughs> Alright, guys. God. So this is part one of the big questions about Sasquatch. Yeah. And I've been Justin. And I've been Jay. And we're Cryptos of the Corn. We're gonna catch you next week.